This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Prospects 101, brought to you by Blue Wire Pods and Bet Online. This is the show where we discuss and analyze football prospects on all levels beyond the industry standard. High school, college, and the NFL draft, you name it, we cover it. You can follow and interact with us, interact with us on all social media accounts at Prospects101Pod. I'm Kenny Keller, and I'm joined by a co-host today who believes college athletes should not earn money for their likeness. What's up, Prospect fans? Brandon Pastel here. My friends call me Pastel, so Glessner, you can call me Pastel. Kenny, call me Brandon. And as far as the the not paying for play, it's that I just don't think there's a way to regulate it. I think it's impossible. So if someone's going to get a, a car wash, a job at the car wash, and get paid $100,000, $100, impossible to regulate. You should not pay college athletes. Keep it pure. They get a full-ride scholarship, get the education paid for. What else do they need? If if your friends call you pastel and I can't call you pastel and you're and you have this kind of view, I don't know if I want to be your friend to be honest. <laughs> Boom. Wow. And I'm also and I'm also joined by my other co-host who says the U is not an elite program and hasn't been an elite program for at least a decade. It's all about God, the U. Guys, listen to this. Hey, what's up, Prospect 101 fans? This is Brandon Glessner. I will be giving an additional hot take about the U right here. Guys, listen to this. Since 2006, the University of Miami football team has averaged 7.3 wins a season. They have had double-digit wins only once since 2006. Jeez. My opinion, the U is not an elite program, and they have not been an elite program for a long, long time. And even after 2006, they've been in the ACC. In theory, you should have been able to take advantage 
of being in the ACC. They weren't in the SEC. They weren't in all these other big conferences, and yet they haven't been able to do it. They have stumbled over head coaches. Their players have been a disaster, and they've been terrible on offense throughout Ooh. the entire time. Break, break, big break, time break. hot take. The double, U stinks. Double, t- oh, double hot man. take. The U is back, baby, with Derek King leading them at quarterback. They got the best offensive line in football with Roche and Rose. Uh, how about this year? They're the per- they're the team that's going to challenge Clemson for that ACC title. Wow, six and seven last year, guys. Six and seven <laughs> with the best defensive line and Derek King. That guy stinks too. I wouldn't <laughs> want to be in a foxhole with that guy. Oh, takes a, a red shirt and then transfers. What a coward! What a coward! You know what? The U deserves to go six and seven again. I hope they do. Man, gonna challenge Clemson? Like I would have been behind Brandon Pastel. I would have been behind at least. Like, hey, they're gonna go eight and five, nine and four. Get out of here! To ch- challenge anymore. Clemson, get out of here! Yeah, but in, but in the ACC, going nine and four is challenging Clemson for that top spot. What other team is it? I don't think UNC is there yet. Next year they might be. Like in, in two thousand twenty-one, it might be UNC's year. But I mean, next year maybe. I don't Virginia know. If Tech. Cha- I don't know if challenge is the right word. Maybe they're the second best team in the ACC. Sure, but to challenge that would mean like they have to go at least eleven and one. I mean, dude, to, nobody in the ACC right, is now, challenging. Now, now we're nitpicking the words. I guess. Well, I mean, did 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 Virginia challenge Clemson for being the best team in the ACC last year? No, they they had the honor of losing to Clemson by fifty in the in the, in ACC, the ACC championship, championship game. <laughs> no, no kidding. Anyways, that's my point. Is the U hasn't been the U for a very very long time. I don't know how they get back. So I know I know a lot of you fans are going to be happy to listen to this show. But it, sorry, speaking of the show, data hurts. Data hurts. They can see me. Speaking of the show, today we're excited to launch the uh, offensive line portion of our prospects uh, show that we've been doing here the last couple weeks. If you haven't heard, we've done quarterback a quarterback and running back show, and we've done a wide receiver and tight end show. And what we're doing is we're giving the top five prospects at each position for the 2021 NFL draft. So essentially any prospect in college that is that is eligible for the 2021 draft, we're ranking them by position. So again, today is uh, offensive line day and and you know, I, I'm excited to talk about the guys in the trenches. They're one of the most overlooked positions on the field, but you can't win with a bad offensive line. It's very, very difficult. You can't run I mean it, it affects so much of what you do schematically on offense. And, and what you can and can't do. So these guys are, are the least talked about on offense, but they're probably the most important uh, prospects on an offense. So, I, guys, I'm, I'm excited to break this down. Yeah, yeah I, I, I would also add that a left tackle that you draft in the first round should anchor your offensive line for a decade, right? And if you can mm-hmm. pick a guy in the first or second round that you feel like is going to be the guy for a decade. That's incredible value from a prospect perspective. Yeah, and and everyone says you win in the trenches, but then they draft receivers. They draft tight ends. <laughs> they draft all these other players, and it's like they go against their motto because they go for the flashy player. But I'm going to give you a perfect example of a guy that had a good offensive line named Andy Dalton for the Bengals, and he was a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. You lose that offensive line, and he goes into a guy that just lost his job the last uh, three years. Um, and so like I would argue that a quarterback that has an extra second uh, – Three, say three to three point five seconds in the pocket to a quarterback that has four to four point five seconds in the pocket mm-hmm. is a completely different quarterback. So get a good offensive line, establish yourself, give your quarterback time to throw, and he's going to make those weapons 
uh, better weapons instead of just trying to get the next Odell Beckham. I'm telling you, it's the way to success unless you have a Russell Wilson back there. But not every team has that. Yeah. Well, I mean, absolutely. You look at look at look at Tom Brady. I mean, Tom Brady had. I mean, last couple of years his offensive line hasn't been great, but for majority of his career. His line has been great, and they've protected him, and he's been able to get the ball to guys like Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, Troy Brown. Um, you know, obviously Gronk and Moss were there for a little bit, so those guys sh- for sure helped out. But you know, Brady's not Brady without a good offensive line. You know, and yeah. Manning's not Manning without a good offensive line. No, but, so, and you can't t- ask. Tom, a qu- go ahead. Tom Brady never had to wash his jersey for about ten years. No, I yeah, mean he, he never got sacked, never got touched. It's easy to play quarterback when you don't get touched. Exactly. It makes your whole team better. So, well, without any further ado, uh, Pastel drew the short straw today and gets to go first. So, Brandon, why don't you give us? Why don't you start us off with your top five offensive linemen? Yeah, so I'll go ahead and admit too. Like uh, the offensive line position itself is something that I'm getting better as far as my my scouting department. I, I usually focus on skills players. That's just kind of how I grew up as a skill player. Uh, so, my overall analysis on the draft class is it's a pretty strong draft class. And I, I don't think this past year was weak, but I do think next year, the draft class in general next, next year is going to be strong. And I think the headliner outside of wide receiver is offensive line. Um, so I'm going to give you five, but there's probably guys six, seven, and an eight that could be in anyone else's top five. Uh, but I'm going to start with somebody that has an asterisk on their name, and that's Trey Smith uh, from the University of Tennessee. And he's 6'6", six, six, or 325 pounds. But the whole thing with him is – I mean, he's arguably the second best lineman in this class. It's just he had blood clots last year. And that's such a scary thing for an athlete to have because we've seen athletes uh, – was it Chris Bosh I think he had mm-hmm. at one point? Correct. Uh, and they're, they're, they're not even like their season, but their careers end from it. So he's a little bit of a health risk. But if he – because his potential is so high. I mean, he again, he's the second best offensive lineman in this draft class healthy. So I think putting him at five is probably somewhere in the middle. And I, and I do believe with technology these days, and it sounds like all, all signs are pointing up for him right now, that I put him at five. Um, but really, he'd be my second if he was healthy. But he, mm-hmm. he is ideally mm-hmm. very powerful. He's very raw, uh, but he is very, very powerful both in the run game and in the uh, mm-hmm. passing game. As far as my number four, I got Walker Little, uh, the lineman from the University of Stanford. And this is this guy's another six seven three oh nine, and I know when you first you hear that big dude, big dude, right? Um, a little light, I would say. Um, and honestly, I think you would want to see a little bit more athleticism from him. And that's you know, I wouldn't call like his overall athleticism weak, but I would say like just right there, going left to right laterally, he doesn't always seem to be able to keep up with some of these athletes. Like a, I compare like maybe someone like Jackson just picked up like a chase on like that type of defensive end. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he hangs well with them. He finds himself standing up high and not getting being very anchored to the ground. So I think Walker Little, uh, he while he's very still raw, he's got something six seven three ten. You can't teach that. Um, so I, and he comes from a pro style type of offense where I think will translate into the NFL. So I think he's a clean prospect. He just got to clean it up. And I think this year he will do that. As far as my number three pick, Alex Leatherhood, uh, Leatherwood, sorry. Um, dude, another every guy I'm saying right now, six six, six seven, like 310, yeah. 320 pounds. Some big These boys. guys are freaking monsters, These man. These guys are huge. Like, goodness gracious. Uh, this guy, I think he has a background in uh wrestling. Uh, if I'm if I'm correct, um, yeah. So very extremely athletic guy. Uh, oh no, no, I'm thinking of the the center for uh for Oklahoma Creed Humphrey. Uh, yeah, that guy yeah, has a ba- background. Yeah. But this guy is extremely athletic, and he's proven that. Uh, I don't think he gave up one sack last year, uh, and that's going against 
SEC type of defenses. So I think just from production standpoint alone, and then you look at his intangibles uh, and measurables at 6'6", 310 pounds, I don't think he's – I think he's about as clean of a prospect as you can get uh, here in this, this upcoming draft. Uh, my number two, and I think he might be my favorite prospect, and that's Wyatt Davis, the interior offensive lineman for uh, Ohio State. And I know this is going to be a crazy comparison. I don't want to say it's him. But I think uh, Quentin Nelson, the lineman from the Colts, I think that's somebody yeah. that he compares to. Yeah. Now, he's not him, and I don't think he should be a top-five pick. Um, but there's a lot of similarities to him. And, again, if it wasn't only for just one year of playing in the Big Ten, I think you would start to compare him a little bit more once you have a little bit more of a history on him. But the only thing that's really hurt him is his game tape. He only has one season in this belt. Mm -hmm. But it was probably one of the cleanest seasons you can possibly have. He is one of the best run blockers in the, in the league, and he was very, very good at pass protection as well. So I think he's one of those guys that I could see being a top 15 pick, which usually you don't see in guards these days. I think that's something you see towards the later half of the first round, uh, but mostly probably in the second round. I think he is going to be one of those star interior offensive linemen that can play both left and right side. Uh, mm -hmm. which is very, very uh, awesome in the NFL to be able to switch players like that. Yep. And then number one, Pene Sol, uh, about the cleanest prospect that you could possibly get in this draft. I think if he came out this past year, if he was eligible, which he wasn't, he was a true sophomore, uh, he would have been the first offensive lineman. Uh, he mm -hmm. was the best offensive lineman in college football, and he's going to be again next year. I mean, there's nothing to not like about his tape. And if you see him pregame and even after the game, this guy gets you jacked up. I mean, this guy has a lot of energy. Um and he just, as a, like Lester said before all this, if you can get somebody that can be your bookend left tackle uh, for 10, 15 years, I mean, mm -hmm. he's worth a top three pick. And I think that's what he's going to be in next year's draft. As soon as those quarterbacks are gone, he's the first player taken. Nice. Yeah, he's, he's I mean, I, I, he's arguably one of the best prospects to come out since Joe Thomas, um, you know. Uh, Quentin um, Nelson. Quentin, yeah, Quentin Nelson. But Quentin Nelson was an interior guy. But still, um, can't miss prospect. Yeah, this this he's been one of the highest graded offensive tackles we've seen in a long, long time, yeah. and it sounds like he's pretty much a pretty much a guarantee to succeed. Yeah, and it was crazy, and and I'll get into him into my ranking a little bit too. But I was listening to um, another offensive line podcast, and they actually had on the uh, Oregon's offensive line coach, and you know they had seniors and redshirt seniors all across the offensive line, and then they're like, yeah, but the best one's the sophomore. He's like, <laughs> he's, he, he, he played as a true freshman, and he has this mean streak, but he's gotten so good technique-wise that he's just, it's, you know, he grades out incredibly, um, and he, he's the best we got. So um, I'll get into more, more of him when I get into my part. And now a word from our awesome sponsors. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and BetOnline has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24-7. Or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. Yes, that's right, for free. And coming up next Sunday, BetOnline has ex-Chicago Bulls Horace Grant Bill Cartwright and Craig Hodges joining them to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling After the Last Dance. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. 
Blue Chew. Guys, looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds? I don't know which guy isn't. Get to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com is the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost, and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. Yeah, a lot of great prospects in this draft, so I'm excited to see uh, what your top five look like, Les, speaking of that. So why don't you go ahead and just jump right in? Yeah, I, I think what's interesting with mine is is all five of mine are tackles now, but I don't think they'll all be tackles in the NFL, and, and specifically with four and five. So first start off, so I'm going to go with another guy from Stanford, but I'm going to go with the right tackle. That's Foster Sorrell, uh, Stanford 6'7", six, 3'10". Uh, six, Incredible length, guys. Uh, five-star recruit out of high school. Uh, came out of the state of Washington. Extremely lengthy, and he uh, has such a good mean streak to him. He's an incredibly good run blocker. Great on down blocks, but he's got really heavy feet. Uh, you know, I watched a couple games. One game against Oregon. One game against Notre Dame. Uh, this past week as he was just kind of getting familiar with these prospects. And I just thought he had heavy feet in, in, in the past game. So I think he'll probably either be a right tackle in the NFL or they'll bump him inside to play guard because he is a good a, a good run blocker mm-hmm. and he's got mm-hmm. a really good mean streak to him and he holds really good pad level for being that large. So uh, I see him being one of the best five, but again, I see him actually projecting out to be a guard at the next level. The next line, uh, the next guy out of Notre Dame, uh, six six three ten. I got uh, Liam Etchenberg, solid all around player. Plays with really great nastiness. He's their left tackle there now. Uh, he could bump to right tackle in the NFL simply because I think he's hit a ceiling. I think this is probably the best that you're going to see out of him. I watched a couple games of him uh, uh, this week again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I watched him in some higher games and. He just didn't perform very well against some of the more elite speed rushers, and I think he's going to struggle at the next level with them. So I kind of project him either being a right tackle or a guard, but I love his nastiness, mm-hmm. and, and I think mm-hmm. that can't be understated when you're talking about offensive linemen. You can talk about length. You can talk about height. You can talk about footwork, but if you don't have that inherent nastiness – I don't think you're going to be a good offensive lineman at the next level, at the NFL level. College, Mm -hmm. I think you can get by with it because you can be in an offense that throws the ball 50 times and you're so large that you just kind of take up a couple gaps. This guy's nasty, and I really liked what I saw out of him on film. I just kind of see him more as a right guard, possibly as a a – I'm sorry, as a right tackle, possibly as a guard, simply just because I don't think he is athletic as some of the other players. Now – these top three are certainly going to be left tackles at the next level. One of the guys I really love, Alex Leather uh, Leatherwood, Alabama. 
Brandon Tuss on him earlier, 6'6", 310. First team All-American, left tackle. He's a three-year starter. He's bounced around all the offensive line. Right tackle, he started at, moved to right guard. And then this last, last year came to left tackle for the, for the Crimson mm-hmm. Tide. Mm-hmm. What I love about him is he's such an instinctive blocker. And what, what I mean by that is generally when you're zone blocking, right, you either have to reach, but you have to be able to utilize angles and utilize – and understand the defensive linemen and what they're doing mm-hmm. and their body positioning because that determines whether I go to the second level or should I stay on this guy and just wash him all the way down or can I hook him? If I can hook him, I'm going to go ahead and hook him. He's an extremely instinctual player, and he was actually a skill player in high school his freshman year. I was listening to a podcast. He, I think he was a linebacker. So he's a really, really good athlete. Um, he's extremely powerful. Uh, which is the other thing I really liked about him. He went up against LSU's best weekend. uh, and I'm sorry, he went up against the SEC's best weekend and week out and was Mm -hmm. the first team All-American left tackle. So Mm -hmm. I think this guy is a a, a can't-miss prospect. He is certainly going to be a top 15 pick, no doubt in my mind. Only thing he needs to clean up is some technique, kind of has some holding, gets a little sloppy with his hands sometimes. But there's nothing that uh, another year at Alabama, as well as a really good offensive line coach of the NFL, can't fix that. So, really like that. Number two, I have Jackson Carman out of Clemson, 6'6", 330. Uh, he's the second biggest player I have. Physically, guys, he has the tools. There's no doubt about it. Uh, performed extremely well against Chase Young uh, in the Fiesta Bowl this past season. He's a little bit more raw, though. So I think that he's going to be a first-round draft pick. There's no doubt in my mind. Physically, mm-hmm. he has all the tools. But he's more raw than an Alex Leatherwood or an Etchenberg. Uh, so I think that he – I'm glad he came back because I think he needs that one more year to really solidify his footwork and mm-hmm. solidif- uh, solidify his pass sets. I think he's really good in the run game. I do. Uh, but I do have some questions about him blocking at left tackle – uh, as far as pass setting, moving his feet. So I'm really glad he came back. But I think he's going to be a first-round pick simply because the intangibles are all there. I'm sorry, the tangible assets are all there. Last, Penny Sewell. Can't say enough about this guy. He can do it all. Mario Cristobal came on and said he's the best offensive lineman I've ever coached. Wow. Think about that. Mario Cristobal has, was the offensive line coach at Alabama for three years. <laughs> and he said that, that Penny Sewell is the best offensive lineman he has ever coached. Guys, he can do it all. He's got incredible feet and incredible athleticism for someone his size. I watched a couple plays today when I was just watching a couple games at Oregon this last year. You should see him on screen plays and bubble screens and anything that has to do with him moving. It's unbelievable. I mean, he looks like an H-back out there. The ability to release off the offensive line, be able to break down in the middle of the field and get on a skill player, a safety, a linebacker, and fully block him is unbelievable. And there's not a lot of tackles that can do that really well. A lot of tackles will do that, and they'll try to cut the guy, right? Mm-hmm. Especially mm-hmm. at the NFL level. But Penny Sewell doesn't have to do that. He can actually get there because he's such an incredible athlete. I love his nastiness as a blocker, too. Oh my gosh, dude! He, if he gets a hold of you, you're gonna get pancaked. It's just, it's just what's gonna happen. If he's on a down block, he's gonna wash you to the other side of the offensive line or to the of the uh, of the line of scrimmage. Nice. So 
What I see out of this kid is an absolute can't miss. He reminds me so much of Trent Williams from an athlete perspective. And Trent Williams, in my mind, is the best left tackle athlete I've ever seen. Yeah. Just from an athletic standpoint, Trent can do it all. He reminds me a lot of Trent Williams on, like, screen plays because, he, like I said, he gets out there and he's able to play with skilled players out there. And once you find a left tackle or an offensive lineman that can do that, those guys are truly special. And that's what I like about that guy. Yeah, I Gless, he's he's an I mean he's a can't miss prospect, guys. I mean let's just call it what it is. He he's he's at the praise on him that has been heaped on by us, by coaches, by other experts. It's just uh, this this guy's a can't miss. What I really love about our list, though, by the way, guys, is I don't know if you've noticed this, but outside of Sewell and Leatherwood, everybody had different players. Like I thought that hey, was. It's a very, very deep yeah. class. And there's two guys that, that you didn't talk about that, to be honest, surprised me because I think they're two of the best, two of, the, two of what would be in my top five if I had a top five, and that's Cade Mays and Tyler Vrabel. Cade Mays is a former five-star prospect or a five-star recruit signed with Georgia uh, you know, and started 18 games his first two season in his first two seasons at Georgia and started in a multitude of different positions. He played pretty much every position on the line. He's 6'5", 290, very versatile, and now he's he's transferring to Tennessee. He's going back home. Um, and I, I think this guy's the limit with this guy. I love his form. I love his technique. He's very very sound. He's super athletic and he's super versatile. I don't know what his home is in the NFL. I don't think it's left tackle. I think he's a little small. He'd be being six five two ninety's not necessarily the, you're not the biggest guy. Probably small. a center. Yeah, yeah maybe a center. Yeah. I know, right? How ridiculous is it? We're calling guys small That's and they're two hundred and they're two hundred ninety pounds. But at six five, you know, he's got room to put on weight, and I. I love, like I said, I love that he's got very short. I like it the way he, the way he allows, uh, the way he can control defensive linemen. He's got shorter arms, which is why I think he's going to probably be a guard or center in the NFL. But I, I just love his technique. I love the way this guy plays. Uh, and then Tyler Vrabel, obviously you know his dad, uh, head coach of the Titans, Mike Vrabel. This guy's six five, three ten. He's a redshirt sophomore. Uh, he's a he's a left tackle. He he really played most of his his games. Um, this year as a redshirt, or sorry, last year as a redshirt freshman, but the athleticism he showed is phenomenal. He's one of the most pure athletes in this draft, and this is a guy who at 6'5", 310, could probably put on another 20, 30 pounds and not lose his athleticism. Just so you could tell by the way he plays, he's got room to grow, he's got room to add weight, he's got room to add strength, and I think I think if he comes back this year, you know, 10, 15 pounds heavier than he was last year and still plays the same way, he's going to shoot up a lot of teams' draft boards. So those are just two guys that I kind of saw that you know you guys had mentioned, but that just goes to show you how deep of an offensive line draft this is going to be. We're talking, you know, probably we've probably talked 10, 12 different players right now that are, that could yeah. all be day one or day two picks. Yeah, you know, the, the biggest misperception right now, I feel like, in the NFL too, is it's like your left tackle is like your guy. Let's be honest. The way they draft pass rushers these days and they groom them, your right tackle has to be just as athletic. That used to be more of like your run blocker, your not as athletic guy because you're not it's usually not the quarterback's blind side. So you want to have that kind of protection on your left side. But usually, I mean, most teams, I'd argue, their left defensive ta- uh, defensive end uh, is obviously on the right side of the offensive line. So mm-hmm. uh, you're right. The, in today's NFL, your right tackle has to be just as athletic now yeah. as your left tackle. In the yeah. old days, you can get away with it. It's a great point. It, yeah, the other thing too. Again, I was listening to um, 
you know what a, a podcast I really enjoyed that really breaks down the run game at the NFL. You know, the Dallas Cowboys in one game ran eight different blocking schemes. Wow. Right? So if you think about that, right, eight different blocking schemes, that means that all five offensive linemen are probably asked to do something different than they're used to be doing on another scheme, right? You know, generally it's a, it's a power scheme and a zone scheme or a gap scheme and a zone scheme. And I'm sure some of those ones that the Dallas Cowboys are doing are, are just tweaks of that, right? They're, they're kind of like a zone scheme except – maybe something a little bit different on the backside than the, fr than the front side. But think about that. As an offensive lineman, you have to be athletic, big enough and athletic enough to not only handle the pass rush, but at the run game, you've got to be athletic enough to be able to run eight different, eight, eight different uh, blocking schemes. I mean, it's crazy. That's so, incredible. I mean, that, that speaks to your point, Brandon. I mean, it used to be you draft a left tackle and sign the rest of your offensive line as undrafted free agents or on day three. That's not the case anymore. No. No. And well, I mean, look, and, and the Cowboys really took off once they started drafting, uh, you know, guys like Zach Martin. Um, they got the kid from LSU to play right tackle. I and mean, they've got a lot of Dallas has one of the best offensive lines in football. And once they built that line, they, their fortunes really took off towards towards yep. the mid to the mid 2010s mid that mid decade. So, you know, what's this, you know, what's disgusting is the fact that we talk about Alabama's receiving core, how they had probably the, arguably the best two receivers last year. So probably the two out of the top three receivers next year in the draft. And you look at their last three linemen or, or next year. Yeah, Jonah Williams, the top offensive lineman, uh, lineman two years ago. You had Dredgick Wills, the right tackle that got picked, what, 11th to the Cleveland yeah. uh, Browns this past year. Yeah. And now you're looking at Alex Leatherwood uh, that's going to be a top 15 pick too. Like, dude, they're stacked at every level of football. <laughs> it's yeah. unbelievable. I think the one thing to take away from us breaking down the position rankings today is if you need an offensive lineman next year, it's a good class to need one. Yeah, so, no kid. Well, as we as we transition, as we start wrapping up the show, one of the things we love to do here on Prospects 101 is we have a segment called Get to Know a Prospect. And then we do it on pretty much every show. And, and what we do there is we break down a prospect. It doesn't necessarily have to be a day one type of prospect. It could be any prospect. Anybody that's eligible for the 2021 draft, we break them down and, and kind of give you some of their strengths, some of their weaknesses, and what, what our opinions are on them as a prospect. And this week, we have none other than Chartarius Atwell. And you might be scratching your head saying, who's Chartarius Atwell? He's better known as Tutu Atwell, the receiver from the University of Louisville. Guys, I got to say, as a prospect, this guy excites me. And I know the obvious knock is going to be he's 5'9", 150 pounds. He's a very small guy. But outside of Rondell Moore, who we obviously know my affinity for, he's probably the most explosive playmaker in college football absolutely outstanding guys he hit 69 catches for 1200 yards or almost 1300 yards last year 18 yards a clip with 11 touchdowns the year before as a big play guy man big yeah play guy and he wasn't a receiver in high school he was a quarterback he played quarterback for four years in high school and then was recruited as a as an athlete to the university of louisville and switched to receiver and really has been balled out balled out since day one. He may average 17 yards a catch as a freshman in the ACC. And these are on Louisville teams that have been, been very good. You know, in 2018, they were terrible their first year. after he didn't, Not like he played with Lamar Jackson. He was playing with a bunch of guys who were kind of okay. Um, I really like Cunningham, the quarterback for Louisville, uh, who emerged last year. But I think the reason he emerged is because of Tutu Atwell. This kid is, is a threat to take it to the house every time he touches the ball. If you watch a lot of his film, a lot of the stuff 
it looks almost like a jet sweep, and technically, I guess it's in the same vein as a jet sweep. But a lot of his uh, big plays last year came off of plays where the quarterback's in shotgun, takes the ball, and just gives a little shovel pass forward as as he's in motion, and he just turns the corner and burns the defense. I mean, his abs- his yards after the catch are absolutely incredible. Um, as a punt returner, kick returner, he's dynamic. This guy can do it all. Unfortunately, I think he's going to be held back a little bit because of his size. Again, he's 5'9", 153 pounds. But I, I still think that translates to the next level because I don't think there's anybody. You know who he reminds me of, actually? He reminds me of Tarek Cohen. That's, oh, that's yeah. who I think is a very nice. good comparison for this nice. guy, Tariq, Tariq okay. Cohen. Um, he might not be as thick. I think Tariq's a little heavier. But that's who he reminds me of. He, he in that mold, like a, a guy who who you can he you can play in the backfield, you know, take stuff out of the backfield, and then he can also play the slot, play out in X Y Z. He can play all three receiver positions. You just have to get him the football. Yeah, um, I mean, dude, obvious not. I mean, what round do you have him going in? Do you think is he a fifth round player, sixth round player? Or do you have him like possibly you know day two pick? Because, I mean, at a buck, what? Would you say buck 60? Buck 50? Buck 53. He's going to get broke, broke in the NFL. Well, I mean, I I think there's guys now who are coming in on the lighter side and the smaller side. Like I said, we just mentioned it. Guys like um, Tariq Cohen, guys like Dante Hall back in the day. There's guys who can survive. You know, uh, Austin is another guy from West Virginia who was on the smaller side. Um I think the smaller guys can can survive. You just have to find a right fit for them. And I think today's offenses, there's a lot more fits for guys that size and guys who can take the ball to the house from anywhere on the field than there have been, you know, especially with the ingenuity and the, I guess, diversity of offenses that the NFL's running these days. Yeah. So, you know, I think I think if you're a smaller guy, this is the time to be a smaller guy and have a hope at the NFL. I think he's a day two, third round, maybe day three, fourth round kind of guy. I think third, fourth round is the type of is a, is a perfect position for him. Probably a position for him to to land on special teams, make an impact on special teams, kick return, punt return. Mm-hmm. Um, so probably a dual threat guy, I would imagine, uh, someone of that size and perfect perfect offenses that he would go in. You know, I think of Chicago. Would be an ideal place for him. I would think yep. Kansas City. Kansas City. Would it be an ideal place? I would think Philadelphia. LA. Ideal place. This place that like to run, just kind of adapt a little bit more of the college game. Uh, probably good places for him. Broke. Yeah. I. I <laughs> what'd you say? I said broke. He's going to get broke in the NFL. You see a <sighs> six foot five. What's that? Uh, I mean, linebacker I mean, he, did he dominate? He, I mean, he dominates college now as a five nine one fifty three guy. I'm not saying he's going to dominate the NFL, but if I was concerned about him getting broke, I think he'd be broke already. Like, I think uh, the dude. I mean, you've had players like Noel Devine and other guys like that. Like you said, Austin from West 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 Virginia, they get away with it in college football. I mean, you can like just pure athleticism can get away with it in college football. But there's reasons why those guys just don't, and they haven't worked out in the NFL really for more than a year or two. You say Cohen, but really, what what, what did he do last year? I mean, he was okay, I guess, but his big year was what two years ago, and that was his what second year in the league. Yeah, it was his second year. Yeah, he, he had a little bit of a down year last year, but I would put that more on the Chicago offense as a whole and Mitch Trubisky taking a step backwards. You know, I, I think that was more of teams figuring out what Mitch Trubisky can and can't do, you know, more than what Cohen is. Cohen's a playmaker. I mean, the guy, like I said, I don't think you ever turn down guys who can make your offense more explosive. Yeah. The guy, I mean, Tutu Atwell runs a four two seven. 
you don't you don't you don't you don't let that slide. I mean, you not you don't necessarily have to take him in the first round, but as a day as a day two or day three guy, that's that's a tremendous value for a guy who could arguably make your offense that much more explosive. Yeah. Well, the only but, other thing that hurt that's hurting him is he's and arguably one of the deepest wide receiver receiving classes that we've seen in the last yeah. few years. So mm-hmm. I mean, just purely him being behind so many other receivers, he could fall probably to the fifth round. I think. I by the, I think. I think he continues to average 19 yards a catch. You take him in the third or fourth round. Yeah. By the way, Tarek Cohen totally, totally jacked up my fantasy team last year. <laughs> could, yeah. could, couldn't have been worse flex guy. It was terrible. <laughs> he won me my – Mitch which, Trubisky. Which is, which is funny because he won me my fantasy league two years ago. He was so money. Yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, he won money last year. That's what That's I do know. It's well, you know what? That's what happens when you take UNC quarterbacks in the first round. Yeah, number two overall. Woof. Ugh. Well, he's got Over- old old Foles now throwing the ball to him. Ugh. Yeah, even worse. So, yeah, right. Well, look, guys. Look, as 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 uh, we get deeper into our shows, I'm excited to really unearth, you know, some more. What you would call we would call sleeper prospects or maybe not as well known guys. Obviously, the first you know few we hit are going to be some more well known guys because they're easy. We can cherry pick them, but I'm really excited to to, to get to get to to get to know more prospects and to get our audience to know more prospects. So, as we wrap up, I just want to take a second and thank uh, Megan from Churro Toffee on, on Instagram. She's going to send us ten free stickers. Uh, of our show logo to send out. And I thought that was really cool of her because I actually reached out to her to purchase. She runs her own sticker business. I purchased to purchase these stickers. And she said, no, I want to send you guys free stickers. I'm really excited to see your rebrand and, and what you guys are doing as a new show. So it's really cool. And, and, and so I just wanted to give her a shout out today. Anybody who's looking for stickers or magnets, go to get on Instagram and go to at Churro Toffee. That's C-H-U-R-R-O-T-O-F-F. E-E on Instagram. Follow her, DM her, reach out, and she'll get you hooked up in no time with some really quality products. So I'm, I'm really excited. Just wanted to say thanks to Megan. Holy smokes. Does this Prospects 101 have our first sponsor? <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. Well, like first sponsor outside of Blue Wire. <laughs> thanks, Megan. <laughs> thanks, Megan. We appreciate it. And actually, you know, I kind of – another shout-out, too, is I, I – so I know Megan through really a mutual friend, uh, and that is the College Football Bros, which is an awesome podcast. And I just want to say thanks to them for giving us a shout-out on their show this week. Really, really good guys. They've helped us out a ton. Uh, I maintain a close friendship with those three brothers, and they're one of the best college football shows out there right now. So if you're looking for a new college football podcast outside of Prospects 101, then go follow, go follow and go subscribe to College Football Bros. I couldn't recommend them more. With that, we're going to wrap up the show, guys. We appreciate everybody listening. Uh, Make sure to to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review if you love the show. Uh, We appreciate it. And as always, thank you for tuning in. For the ones standing guard, for the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them, we are Granger, your experienced safety partner. Offering supplies and solutions for every industry. Committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com slash safety, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.